um, in First uh, Samuel chapter 16. And uh, of course, First Samuel 15 was when the Lord had uh, finally rejected uh, Saul from king because of all the crazy things that Saul had done and ignored the Lord and did his own things and blah, 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 and all the above. And so the Lord's out uh, going to anoint a new king. And so he went to the to the house of Jesse, uh, David's father. And uh, of course, you know, the the Samuel was the prophet and the Lord was only giving him a little bit of information at a time. The Lord would say, you know, go go to Jesse, you know, go here and do this. And uh, he didn't say in particular uh, what to do. He said, uh, go anoint one of his sons as king. He didn't know which son. Uh, and so, uh, but Saul, uh, Samuel was still faithful to do the, do the very thing that he knew to do. He didn't know how to do anything more than that, but he knew to do that thing. So the Lord didn't give him the beginning and the end of everything. He just gave him the beginning. You go and do this thing right here. Uh, and so, uh, so he, he had told him to, that uh, he's going to send him to Jesse uh, in Bethlehem uh, to provide a king among his sons. So that's all he knew. He didn't he didn't know specifically which son. And, you know, it's just like a lot of things that uh, a lot of times you won't know all the details of the will of God for your life until you take that first step. Uh, and so he did take the first step to go and find find Jesse uh, and uh, said, we need to uh, bring all your sons here before me. Uh, and it says here in verse six that and it came to pass when they when they were come, the sons of Jesse, and he looked upon Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Uh, and it doesn't really say in particular what, what about Eliab that he liked. Maybe he was tall and strong looking, you know, uh, and, um, you know, maybe he looked like a king. Uh, but he says in verse seven, but the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance uh, on his countenance or on the height of his stature. Because I have refused him uh, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And I was just thinking about this particular verse that uh, uh, if, uh, of course, you know, we can't expect the world to follow biblical principles. Amen. Because, um, you know, they're not they're not uh, uh, part of the Lord's covenant. But, you know, also, on the other hand, that most of uh the laws, even in the world, are written upon biblical principles. You know, don't do harm to your neighbor, right? Love your neighbor. And, and, and you know, that's the fundamental of all good laws is to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, and so that doesn't mean all laws are good. There's definitely a lot that are not good. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of the woes that we have going on, especially in our country right now, the root of it is the failure of this verse. Uh, and... Uh, you know, there's so much conflict right now with, with uh, uh, in our country because we're always wanting to separate ourselves by what we observe in the natural realm. And it's not just race, but that's a big part of it, right? So race is a big thing. Uh, and anybody who's constantly focusing on the color of someone's skin, is, you know, they call everybody else racist, but they're the racist because they're always looking at race. Uh, and uh, they're not looking at the heart of people because... You know, uh, I remember I was in a training class one time in, in corporate world and and they were talking about how uh, the, the person that up front was saying, you know, if somebody walks in this room with a turban on their head, all of you going to judge him and, and uh, be bigoted against him and because he's different than you. And, you know, normally I don't say anything, but I spoke up and said, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. You know, they're different than me and I could I can acknowledge that they're different than me. And then I want to find out why are they different? You know, what makes them tick? What do they think? You know, what do they know that I don't know? I'm not bigoted against them just because they're different than me. Uh, well, you know, some people are. But, you know, that's the premise of so many people that that uh, that they're automatically going to convict you of being bigoted because you're different than somebody else. And maybe, you you know, uh, for whatever reason, you're, you know, your class in whatever measurement has done better than somebody else's class. Uh, and but there's people that are in the country that are always stirring things up because of things that are observed in the natural realm. And all these people that are stirring things up because, you know, all this, you know, all this Black Lives Matter stuff. It's just it's just complete racism is all it is. Uh, it, and it's not, you know, because I could care less. Uh, in fact, if somebody is different, I mean, has a different color skin than I have, then I think it's awesome because who made them that way? The God in heaven is the one who makes people different uh, in appearance because he likes a variety of things. Is me and you, we'd make them the same because. You know, I'm just not that creative like the Lord is. 
Uh, and anytime we have to focus on the outward appearance of things, then we violate biblical principles. And all this push to, you know, uh, in fact, Chris was telling me some some uh, lame author was writing things and they saying about, well, we're going to call white people white with a lowercase uh, w and we're going to call black people black with an uppercase b because, you know, white people are awful and black people are awesome. Uh, that's the most bigoted, racist thing, you know, uh, stuff like that. Isn't that bigoted and racist? It's so pathetic. And, and yet people think that that's a good thing because of the woes of what somebody has done to somebody 100 years ago. I mean, you can pick any people group and you can look in through history and that person, that people group, whatever the group is, has been persecuted for some reason. You know, you go back to Rome and all the Christians were eaten by lions. Right. And then uh, you can go to the, the native Indians and how the terrible things we've done to them. And we can go to the uh, you know, you can go to the Irish people and how we treated them poorly and the Chinese, how we uh, conscripted them to build the railroads. And, you know, you can go to you go to India and how if you're born in a certain uh, address, you're for life, you're stuck in poverty. And you go to I mean, you go to any people group and every and, and it's always because of external observations where you were born, what your name is, what color your skin is. And any person, any group that is saying that this group owes this group something because this group is different than that group is a complete total racist and bigoted in their lives. And, uh, and, and it goes so far from what, you know, you know uh, if anybody actually ever read things that Martin Luther taught when he was a minister, uh, you know, he was really uh, right on the, mar- on the money about how to, uh, how to uh, fix race relations because it, uh, he always wanted to get to a point where this exact verse of course, he, he had a, you know, a more eloquent way of saying things than, than I do. You know, he talks about, you know, his great speech about that uh, we'd be judged by the content of our character, not the color of our skin. Well, why, why can't we do that? That would solve all the problems. And it, it, it is not because Martin Luther was, uh, uh, had come up with any great revelation. This was written thousands of years ago, thousands of years ago. And if we had followed this, uh, this method all of these years, then there would have never been slavery because, you know, for some reason somebody decided, you know, black people should be slaves. Well, how, why not, you know, yellow people? Why not, you know? I mean, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, whatever reason, you know, those persons, they got so out of line, you know. Uh, and so, but every person group, I mean, look at the Jews in, in uh, World War II. Millions of them were murdered, you know, in horrible ways, you know. And so, um, uh, and that's because uh, of who they decided to follow you know, and who was their ancestors. Uh, that was the only thing, you know, that's the only thing they had against them, who their ancestors were, you know, going up all the way back to Abraham. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the Lord looks on the heart. And, and really for all of us, we should do the same thing, right? And I think you all do a pretty good job. But, you know, I've had people tell me just, you know, just, just tell me, say, well, you know, this is not racist, but. And then everything else after that was completely, totally racist because it was based upon the color of somebody's skin, you know. Uh, and, and so, you know, if you if you have any thoughts about somebody because of the color of their skin or their address or their name or their bank account or uh, what church they attend, you know, I mean, how many how much bigotry have, have we've seen because we attend a faith church, you know, from other Christians. Right. And, and so, you know, that ought not be so, you know, I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of Christians who don't believe the things I believe and, you know, even believe really heresy, you know, God doesn't do miracles and God doesn't do, uh, doesn't uh, heal and God doesn't speak to us. Well, that's really heresy, but, you know, I'm not mad at them uh, and I'm not going to judge them. You know, that's the Lord's their judge. Amen. Uh, and so, you know, I would encourage you uh, uh, look in your own. You, it's, it's always good to look in your own heart because that's the only thing you can fix is your heart. You can't change the heart of somebody else. But in your own heart, if there's anything that you, that you have looked upon the out, out, outward appearance of somebody, whether it's color of skin or education or, you know, economic position or whatever it is, it's all bigotry and it's all against the Lord. Amen. Uh, and all this stuff, you know, I mean, the 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 uh, all these people that are especially in the race relations where uh, you've got these so-called leaders in the black community, that's all they're always having to stir up everything. They have to keep it stirred up. And it's always has to keep the distinction that blacks are different than whites. Uh, and it's the leadership that's the issue. You know, most, uh, I've got some great friends that are that uh, just so happen to be black. I wouldn't notice that they were black unless somebody said they were black. 
Uh, I don't care that they're black or white or yellow. I've, you know, some of my best friends in the ministry are, 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 are black folks. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, uh, and they don't even know it. They, they, they don't distinguish that they're black. They just distinguish that they're children of God. Uh, and, uh, and we have great, great uh, fellowship, no distinctions, you know. And, you know, they may like things different than I like things, but that doesn't make us uh, better or worse. It just, it is what it is, amen? Uh, and so uh, the, the root of the issue, the root of the, the, the majority, the root of the, the uh, racial tensions are caused by those in the leadership stirring it up. Uh, there's always, I mean, as long as there's people, there's going to be some person that is harmed because of their uh, physical position, whether it's their race or their, their uh, name or whatever. That's always, as long as there's people. Uh, and, if, and if that always, ha- if, we all, if we always stir everything up that all, uh, all of you people are evil, then we're no different than the other people that are harming the, the ones that uh, uh, causing those harm. Amen. You know, not, you know, the things ought to be dealt with, you know, that that police officer in Minnesota that uh, that killed uh, George Floyd. Uh, you know, he should be dealt with, I believe, 100 percent. You know, it, no, it was completely uncalled for. Uh, but that doesn't mean that every single police officer is terrible because the Bible literally says that that the, that the, those in authority are there for as ministers of the gospel. They are there for our benefit. Uh, and and if we lie and say we need to dismantle all the police officers, <laughs> you know how dumb that really is? I mean, in the history of humanity, there's always been a need for a police force of some kind. Uh, and if we think that, well, we don't need police because we're all going to behave. Uh, I mean, y- you've got to be the dumbest, you know, dumbest brick uh, on the on the street. You know what I'm saying? I mean. There's always going to be a need for a police force somewhere to protect the innocent because they're only there to protect the innocent. Well, does that mean every per, every police officer can be perfect? Well, no, but does it, that also means that every criminal is not perfect. You know, every criminal is not innocent. You know, when I used to do jail ministry, I'd go there, and I mean, 90% of them would say, I'm innocent. I thought, weren't you the one I saw in the paper that had the, the photograph of you, you know, with your hand in the cookie jar? Yeah, that wasn't my hand. It was your hand. I saw the picture, you know, and, you know, and, and so... Um, and we're not, we, we sure don't want to make light of tragedies that occur. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, we would step back and look at what's the percentage of this occurrence happening in the world. It's a very small percentage that those things actually happen. But they want to ignore all of that and say because of one event, everybody's wrong and, and we need to completely destroy everything. And why is that? Because it, it always goes back to spiritual issues. The spiritual issue is we want no constraint. And the, the all the police forces in the world are there to constrain uh, flesh from harming other flesh, and and the spirit of the Antichrist is always in the world that wants no order. They want complete chaos, uh, because then the those that are strongest will become those in power, and the weakest ones, the innocent ones, will be subservient to those that are in power. And it's always it's always happens that way. You know, all this push for socialism in a, in the world. You know, the problem with socialism is men are evil. And, and when men in power get to be uh, in absolute power, they will take advantage of the situation. You go to every socialist experiment that's ever happened in the history of the world, and only those in power have any money, only those in power have any things, only, only those in power have any houses, everybody else is in poverty. Uh, it's that way in Venezuela, it's that way in China, it's that way in Russia, it's that way in, in every socialist experiment that's ever occurred only those in power have any any freedom and any money, uh, and so it's just uh, so the issue is we're not following the word of God, uh, and uh, and even even those that are outside the church, you know, we can't make them follow the word of God. But these are biblical principles that are that are good, and that that would if we would follow them, all would be well, right? Uh, and so the reason why these things keep getting stirred up is because the spirit of the Antichrist is out there. It's always against God. It's always against the order of heaven, and, uh, and heaven has got things that, that uh, uh, desires them to be in order because at the end of the day, the whole goal is that we have the freedom to preach the gospel, and that's the only reason why these things exist. That's the only reason why there's still an earth the way it is is so that we can preach the gospel because if the gospel was fully preached, this all, all the, everything we see here is going to be wiped out. We get a brand new everything, amen? So the only reason why there's any delay on right now is because the gospel has been fully preached. 
uh, and uh, when that gets done, then uh, then we get to go home. Amen. And the Lord gets to come here. And so all of that stuff, all of that conflict is just there. It's a smokescreen to uh, keep us from preaching the gospel. Amen. Uh, and so but, but anyway, I just I always thought about that verse and I just thought uh, that's just a really good verse. And and uh, and like I said, I would encourage you because I hear these things in the church that are ungodly, you know, things that violate this this verse here. Uh, and um, check up on your own self. Make sure that you're not in violation of this verse. Amen. <laughs> so because uh, uh, the church needs to be the great example for this. Amen. Uh, and so praise God. Well, let's stand and greet each other for just a minute and then we'll get into praise and worship. Our help, Father, our healer. Father, we thank you that all help comes from heaven. And Father, we know that you desire to help us more than we'll ever desire to be helped. Father, I thank you that there's no hindrance in receiving from heaven. You've made a way, Father, to send all the blessings from heaven into our lives. So, Father, we receive it. We receive healing. We receive help, Father. We live in divine health all the days of our lives. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for these things. And we give you all praise, Father, and honor for these things. We thank you for the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Is the Lord good? Well, He is good. Amen. We appreciate His goodness and kindness and all the wonderful things He's done for us. Amen. Praise God. It's uh, good to spend time in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Uh, you know, there's freedom and liberty just spending time in Him, right? Uh, and so we thank God for all the good things He's done for us. Amen. And uh, praise God. Let's open our Bibles to the book of John, chapter 16. We'll get started there just real quick. And uh, we've been talking about overcoming. And, and um, Jesus said here in John 16, 33, He said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so if Jesus has overcome the world, then, then we have overcome the world. Amen. Uh, and so there's nothing, is there anything left for him to overcome? If he's overcome the world, then that's pretty much the whole deal, right? Uh, and so uh, the, the child of God, our responsibility is to find out what he's done and to receive his work in our lives. Amen. Uh, because it, it, uh, as with all the promises of God, he brought the promise right up to our doorstep, really right up to the edge of our toes, and we have to accept it and choose to believe it. Uh, if we choose not to believe it or choose not to accept it, it doesn't change anything he's done. It doesn't change the truth of that he's overcome the world, but the effectiveness of that promise in our lives then becomes zero, right? It, it, uh, it has no value. It's the same as if Jesus hasn't really overcome as far as we're concerned, but uh, it doesn't change what he has done, Amen. So, and that's really the great uh, struggle in the church is many times we short circuit God's ability to be a blessing to us. Well, I don't believe that. It doesn't change the fact that it's so, amen. I don't believe Jesus is coming back. Okay, that's fine. Doesn't change the fact that he's coming back. I don't believe he's your help. That's fine. Uh, doesn't change the fact that he is your help, amen. Uh, he's gone to the cross. He's done the work on the cross. He's done everything. He's overcome the whole world. So, What's left for you to overcome? Well, then there's nothing left for you to overcome. Amen. So really, you're in a receiving mode. Lord, I receive the overcoming power of God uh, that allows me to overcome in every situation. And so uh, then uh, we have been over in the book of Revelation looking at uh, some of the things that Jesus had said to the churches. And he, and he picked seven churches out of the crowd. You know, there was more than seven churches, right? There was a church at Jerusalem. He didn't mention them. There's a church at Antioch. He didn't mention them, you know. At, uh, uh, there was uh, uh, Colossians, the church at Colossi. Uh, uh, he didn't mention them. Uh, several churches in Galatia area, uh, Iconium, Lystra, Derby. Uh, he didn't mention any of those. Uh, but he picked seven that uh, he thought was important to, uh, as examples to us, here's some things they were going through. Here's some things that they've done. Uh, here's some things that they did well. Here's a few things they need to straighten up on. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, are these outdated things, things that don't pertain to us, things that, well, you know, they did that, nobody's doing that today. No, it's, it's uh, Jesus is smarter than all of us, amen? He knew that the church would suffer generally from these same things through, as long as there's a church. We're going to be suffering from these same types of limitations. And uh, uh, here's some things to make sure that you're aware of so that you hopefully can avoid their mistakes, right? And, and um, uh, I think there's a saying, some of those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. We, you know, there's a history of the mistakes here of these churches. And if we don't know them, we're going to be doomed to repeat them. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so uh, it, it seemed good to me to go through and see some of these things that, uh, that they had talked about related to the churches uh, that Jesus himself, as the head of the church, has brought out. So uh, let's uh, start here in the book of Revelation, chapter 2. And we'd gone over some of these things. I just want to start back at the beginning of, uh, with the, the church at Ephesus. We're not going to um, repeat everything we said about it. Uh, but he said here in, um, starting at verse 1, Unto the angel of a church at Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth seven stars in his hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hath patience, uh, and for my uh, name's sake hath labored, and have not fainted. So all those sound pretty good, right? I mean, you know, that, that'd be all right. If the Lord said all those things about me, that you, you can't uh, put up with evil things, and you've tried those that are, are liars. And uh, he said, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Uh, and, and so really, that's the only thing he's got against the church at Ephesus. And I uh, say only, that's a big thing, right? You left your first love. It's a big thing. Uh, and he says in verse 5, remember Therefore, from whence thou art falling, uh, and repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Uh, and he said, But this thou hast, that thou hast hated the deeds of the uh, Nicolaitans. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, he was adding that. That was another positive that they had done from the other things, which I also hate. And then he said, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcome, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So uh, there's several things here. Of course, we could spend months and months talking about each one of these churches. We're not going to spend months and months talking about each one of these churches. But, uh, but all of these churches, he did encourage them. If you have an ear to hear, then you need to hear. Uh, and and he, he repeats that several times. Why do you think he repeated that several times? Because people aren't hearing, right? You ever tried to talk to somebody and they don't hear what you say? Yeah. You're saying A and they say this. Well, you said this. I didn't say that. You know, uh, uh, and, and Jesus, he's no different. He's saying very clear things, very concise things, very plain things. And yet people aren't getting it. Well, why are not they getting it? Because they don't have an ear to hear. They've already predetermined what they're going to hear. Uh, and, you know, all they hear is blah, 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 blah. They, don't, they, they won't listen to what you say. Uh, well, that's not on you. That's on them, right? Uh, you know, there's a lot of times, uh, you know, uh, I, I do teaching some, uh, every now and then, and uh, I teach what I'm supposed to teach. But sometimes if the students don't get it, that's not always on me. Now, it could be on me if I'm not doing my job, but if I'm doing my job, uh, I could teach and they could still not learn. Uh, and it's the same thing in the church. I could teach and you could still not learn. I mean, that's, uh, is that on me? Well, I mean... If I'm reading the word, which we read the word around a lot here, around here a lot, right? Uh, and the word alone is sufficient. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've had people tell me that uh, I've been a terrible teacher. And I'm thinking, well, that doesn't make any sense because I'm just reading the word. Then uh, if I'm reading the word and you're not getting it, it's kind of not on me, you know. It's really you just told off on yourself. Now, you know, you don't want to be unkind to people that, you know, all their woes are on themselves. But, you know, of course, we teach that a lot around here. Uh, and so... Uh, so there, there is an issue that Jesus is, look, you've got to listen. Listen really carefully. And, you know, the, the best students are the best listeners. Uh, in, in fact, um, you know, around here, uh, we do very little counseling around folks, with folks, you know. I mean, every now and then we talk to people as they need help. But for the most part, if you listen to the services, and listen while you're in service, you get 99% of what you need. You don't need counseling if, uh, on the side. I mean, we're not opposed to counseling, but... If you just listen to the word that's taught, that usually takes care of everything. And, you know, when I was my pastor for many years, 
um, I, he kind of liked counseling and, and uh, you know, I wasn't really sure what the deal was on that. But I started observing people that were uh, getting counseled all the time. People counseled for years. And I started noticing life's like, you know, if they're any better after a thousand hours of counseling, I can't tell it. They're still mean like they've always been mean, still, you know, fearful like they've always been fearful, still. And I wasn't judging people, just, you know, you're do, going to counseling, you're, you're one way before the counseling, you're exactly the same way after the counseling, so what good did it do you? Uh, you know, we're not against counseling, but the Word of God is sufficient. You know, it's able to divide asunder, soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Well, why am I doing that? Go read the Bible. You know, why, 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 why can't I be successful like that person over there? Go read the Bible. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Uh, and so you don't need me to tell you a bunch of stuff. You don't need me anyway. You need the Spirit of God. And in the Spirit of God, he's our counselor. Amen. And I understand sometimes, you know, maybe on a rare occasion, you, you might need some help. Nothing, no, nothing wrong with that. But uh, if we'll have an ear to hear, usually we get all of our answers anyway. Amen. How many times have you been in a service and you heard a verse and that verse, that one verse, maybe it's part of a verse, fix something that you've been dealing with for a long time. Uh, and the thing is, the person next to you, that same part of that verse had no, no effect on their life. They just, it, they weren't at that place in their life with that part of the verse needed to be spoken to their life. But that part of the verse needed to be spoken to your life. And if you have an ear to hear, it could be a word. Sometimes it's a word that, that's sufficient uh, just out of a verse. Amen. Uh, and so... Uh, always, always intend tend to have an ear to hear. And he was warning the Ephesians, encouraging the Ephesians, hey, you need to listen, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so we had talked about the things that, uh, that they were good, that, that Jesus mentioned there to them. Uh, we talked about that you can't bear, tolerate them that are evil. You know, there, there are, uh, you know, Jesus talked about there'll be uh, wolves that come in sheep's clothing, right? And those people have evil intent in the church. Notice he didn't say there are wolves in shepherd's clothing. There are wolves in sheep clothing, right? Because they don't come in shepherds because nobody would, fo- would follow them, right? Nobody would come and listen to them. So they're not going to come up in a pulpit with evil intent because people are like, oh, that's dumb. I'm out of here. You know, they'll all leave. So they'll, sit, they'll come in a congregation. They'll, they'll pick a seat in the congregation. They'll saddle up next to you. Hey, how's it going? You know, uh, that doesn't mean everybody sitting next to you is evil. You know, that, that don't be suspicious of people. You know, the, the suspicion is not a gift of the spirit, right? It's just carnality, amen, right? There's not a gift of suspicion. Uh, so people think, oh, I've got the gift of suspicion. Well, I'm pretty sure you do, yeah, but you need to grow up. That's not a gift, amen? Uh, and so, uh, but they're wolves in sheep's clothing. And so they're going to come next to the sheep and they're going to try and draw you away. And they'll always start by getting, number one, they, they've got to get you to lose confidence in the ministry, They'll get you to lose confidence in your pastor. Well, you know, he's pretty good, but, you know, he wears a tie. And, you know, that shows, a, that shows, a, you know, that shows that he's not really hip and cool. You know, like and now the guy down the street, he doesn't wear a tie, you know. But, I mean, you know, pastor's pretty good. But, you know, so they'll always start by getting you to lose confidence in the ministry. And, it's, and they're, they're subtle, right? Because they if they just came as a wolf sat next to you, they'd be like, I'm not sitting by a wolf, you know. I mean, wow, you know, bad breath and everything, right? They don't come like that. They'll, they'll come like, a, like another sheep. Oh, you know, that, that, that one thing he said was really good. It wasn't as good as the other thing he said, but, you know, uh, and, you know, I've been in the office. You know, of course, the office doesn't have a ceiling on it, right? So I've heard people, you know, telling me how wrong I was in the service. Of course, they didn't know I could hear them all, right? But, they're, you know, well, you know, he said that about faith, but that's not really right, you know? Uh, and, of course, when they said that, you know, 12 scriptures rose up in my heart about why they don't know anything that they're talking about. Now, I didn't go out and open up the door and say, I heard everything you just said, because, uh, you know, I, I, it's not necessary for me to, to, I don't have to defend myself. I don't care. Uh, but, but see, they were talking to somebody else, and I'm listening to it, you know, and, and I'm thinking, that is such a wolf, because there was nothing wrong with what I said. Now, they could add to it. Now, I, you know, the Lord shows all of you things. It's not like you don't know anything. You all know plenty of things. You know, some of you probably know more than I know. Uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that, that what you know is wrong. Uh, but, but I'm supposed to add to what you know. You know, now, if some things are wrong, I can get that corrected. But, uh, but to say that what, what I said was just wrong and, and here's a better way, you know, it just that's wolves in sheep's clothing. Amen. Because nothing I said, I'm just reading the word. Amen. Here's what the word says. Amen. Uh, and so, so the Ephesians, they didn't put up with that stuff. 
But you know, the, the, the church at Ephesus started small. They started with a dozen people. Amen. It became a, a, a mighty move uh, in the, F, in the uh, Ephesus in, is in Turkey and became a great move of God. And uh, sometimes when things grow, if you're not careful, things uh, you start losing where you came from. Amen. And if you remember back in back in um, in fact, I don't have it there, but we'll, we'll just turn back, turn back over to Ephesians chapter one. When when uh, Jesus said they left their first love. Well, what, 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 what was their first love? Well, we'll just see what it says here. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. Um, and he said in verse 15, he said, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. And that he, he, he gave a great prayer for them. So what, what was their first love? It was their faith and their, and their love for all the saints. Faith in the Lord Jesus and love for all the saints. And you know, every move of God has always started with faith in the Lord Jesus and love for all the saints. Every great move of God has always started with those same two things. And as men are wont to do, when things start accelerating and getting bigger and bigger, then we say, well, Lord, we got it from here. Let it, let it, we need to expand and do these things and change up things, you know, and we can't keep doing the same stuff. And the problem with that is you will leave your first love. And if you go back at the church in, in, uh, in Jerusalem and you look at what they did when they were growing, what did they do? Well, you go over to Acts chapter 6, right? When the, and and uh, in fact, I think it'd be good to see that because this is, this is the failure of the church at Ephesus. This is why the church at Ephesus failed or, or the church required Jesus to make mention of them here in the book of Revelation. Uh, and he says in in Acts chapter 6, verse 1, And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve uh, called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So what the apostles were saying is, as far as the ministry is going, we're not changing a thing. We're going to stay the course. We're going to stay in the word of God. We're going to stay in prayer. We're going to, stu- we're going to do the same things we're supposed to do. Because their, their ministry hadn't changed, right? Uh, now, what a lot of people think should do, well, the pastor needs to start doing, waiting on tables. You know, he needs to show that he's a servant like everybody else. He needs to be cleaning the church. You know, he needs to be doing all these things. And uh, Well, he wasn't doing that yesterday. Well, the church is bigger now. Okay, so now you're wanting the, the, the ministry to change course because things have changed in, in the natural realm. Uh, and that's what the church at Ephesus did. They were known for their love and their saints, uh, their, their, their uh, faith towards Jesus and love towards the saints. And that was, their, that was their call, right? That was their path. And the same thing with the, with the apostles here in Acts chapter 6. That was their path. They were supposed to stay in the word of God in prayer. Now things grew. You know, things grow. Things have to change, right? You have to have bigger buildings. You have to have more people to do things. You've got to have more uh, air conditioning, you got to have more chairs, you got to, just stuff, right? Things happen and, you know, and nothing's wrong with any of those things, right? There's nothing wrong with, with feeding the widows, right? I mean, uh, the, the Lord didn't speak to them and say, you are, you're out of the will of God and feeding the widows, right? Nothing wrong with feeding them. But what did they do? They got people to do those things, right? And they got people to, to, uh, to do that so that the ministry doesn't change, right? The, the course, the, the plan and course of the ministry stays the same. And that's what happened with the church at Ephesus is they grew. They started out, you know, I mean, Paul, if you look at the whole book of Ephesians, when Paul wrote it, they, I mean, there's very little, if any, correction in the book of Ephesians. It's mostly, hey, you're doing a great job. Remember where you're, where you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know, uh, submit to one another. Husbands, love your wives. I mean, just... Just good stuff, right? There was he didn't say like the like the uh, folks at Corinthians, uh, the church at Corinth, uh, you are carnal and walk as mere unchanged men. It wasn't like the Galatians where you foolish Galatians, right? Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? You know there was none of that. So the church at Ephesus really started out really really good, solid, but they drifted. And what, where did they drift? They drifted in the in the ministry. They drifted from what the call was, which was faith. Towards God and love for all the saints. 
Now, what that meant, you know, I don't know. We don't know all the specifics of, uh, of the church at Ephesus, but that was their thing. And the, the, the uh, church at uh, Jerusalem, the, the ministry was supposed to stay in the word of God in prayer. And, uh, but as the church grew, they added two things, but they didn't change, right? The ministry didn't change. So that the plan of the church stayed the same, amen? Uh, and so, you know, they, they did add these things. Uh, and, you know, there was a time when, uh, after we bought the, uh, the building next door, I had all kinds of people tell me, oh, I heard you opening up a, a, um, uh, a homeless feeding shelter. I go, who told you that? I didn't, it, it, has I, have I ever said that, that God wants us to open up a homeless feeding shelter next door and have a soup kitchen there? Uh, and I had plenty of people come to me, oh, you need to do that. And I said, well, okay. I said, who's going to do that? Well, you're going to do that. No, I'm not making no soup. You don't want me to make soup anyway. I'm going to get a can of Dinty Moore and that's it, right? Nobody wants to eat my soup. Uh, and uh, now, is there anything wrong with having a soup kitchen? I mean, there's nothing. I mean, they did that right here, right, with the widows. But these widows were part of the church. They weren't part. They weren't the community, right? This was helping the people inside the church. And the, the world that we're not here is the church to go and feed the world. We're here to give the gospel to the world, right? We can feed our own, our own people. And I'm not opposed to feeding the world, but that's not really the, when Jesus said go into all the world, he didn't say go into all the world and do what? Feed the people, did he? He said go into the world and what? Praise to God. Now, there's a lot of Christians who will just fuss and get mad at you. You're supposed to feed everybody. Really? Why don't they come into church? I'll feed them, they come here. I mean, you sit on that chair right there, I'll feed you every day, right? You know, uh, uh, I mean, we have church meals here, right? I mean, when we have boxes of food, we give to people. Uh, but, uh, but the world's always, and even in the church, we're trying to, to move the church off its foundation. The foundation of the church is preaching the gospel, amen? And inside the church, it's teaching the gospel, amen? But outside the church, it's preaching the gospel. Uh, and, and if you're not careful, you will find yourself right here where the church at Ephesus was have left their first love now a lot of good things about them right a lot of good things about them but they left their first love uh and, and so uh they had uh, he talked about trying those professing to be apostles right and prove them to be liars that's a good thing right uh how many people i mean i've had people tell me that they're apostles i'm thinking you're a child. I mean, you're like eight. How old are you, right? And uh, you're not an apostle when you first get to be a Christian, you know? And I guarantee you, you're not an apostle a year after a Christian, two years after being a Christian, three years after a Christian. I mean, I, I don't know what the time is, but Paul wasn't an apostle, wasn't he? The, he was probably the greatest New Testament apostle we have record of. He didn't start out as an apostle. He started out as Paul, really Saul the Slayer, you know, whatever they called him. You know, I'm sure they had names for him, but, uh, but he started out as just the guy preaching, and then eventually he became a prophet teacher, and eventually, in Acts chapter 13, the Lord made him an apostle. But this is after traveling all over, all, all over the world and preaching and, and showing the signs of an apostle. You know, uh, he talks about in, in, 2 Corinthians 2, in, in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, he said, Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience. Right there, patience. You know, a lot of, a lot of people professing to be uh, spectacular ministers of the gospel, they got no patience. They want everybody serving them. And doing what they're told, shut up, you know, I'm going to, you know, uh, they're not patient at all. But he said that the number one thing, the number one sign of an apostle is not miracles. Number one sign of an apostle is patience. Because it takes some level of, of maturity to be a person who has patience, amen? And then he talked about signs and wonders and mighty deeds, amen? So uh, you got any signs, wonders, and mighty deeds? I mean, how many people have raised from the dead? Uh, you know, I mean, there's some, now it's not every apostle didn't raise people from the dead, uh, in, the, in the New Testament. Uh, and so that's not, uh, it's not uh, the only thing there. But you do try and, you know, to see if they're really called. Uh, and how do you do that? Well, you try and find out what the Spirit of God is saying to them. And you compare what they are saying that the Spirit of God is saying to them to compare it to what the Word says. If it's not the Word, well, they're not an apostle. They're just making up stuff. Uh, and there's a lot of people who, you know, I mean, to me personally, I could care less what you say you're called to. I just want to see how you live. And how you live is going to speak way more volumes to me than what you preach. Uh, I mean, you can preach whatever. That's all wonderful, good. But let me go see how you treat the person at the, at, the, at the restaurant first. Let me go see how you treat your wife. Let me go see how you treat your kids, right? I could care less if your sock drawer is ordered or not. You know, some people are like, well, if your sock drawer is out of order, you're not called. It's like, whatever. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, right? It's sock drawer in order. 
uh, and uh, uh, but how you treat people, you know, are you walking in love? Are you walking in patience? Amen. Uh, and so uh, the Lord, the Lord, uh, he he encouraged them, congratulated them on, on on that they didn't suffer people who said they're apostles, right? Uh, it, one person came to Brother Hagen when when uh, he was uh, when he was a uh, pastor. Uh, he came to Brother Hagen and said, I'm an apostle, uh, and, and you have to do what I tell you. Uh, you have to get all, anybody that you want to invite to your church, you have to get my approval. You know, if you want to have a special service, you have to come get my approval. And how many churches have you started? None. He said, well, you're not a, any more an apostle than you are a man on the moon. Get out of my face, you know. Uh, and, and, but, you know, people do stuff like that all the time. You know, they, they, they had, you know, we had, in fact, one fellow come here one time and he sat through the whole service, you know, and, and uh, then came up and said, hey, um, all, all you pastors of these little churches, you need to shut your churches down and you need to come over. I've got this big building over here in town and uh, all you, pa- you just shut your church down. You're wasting money uh, and you come over there and, and you know, uh, all gathered together in that building over there. And then you can preach over there. And I said, well, what's your job? He said, I'm an evangelist. He's, I said, well, what are you going to be doing while we're doing that? He said, I'm going to be traveling. So we're going to be paying for you to travel. Yeah. Okay, so you just want my money is really all you want. You don't want my, you know, you want nothing. You just want the money of, the, of you, your, your money right here. He wants me to take your money and give it to him so he can go travel, right? But he didn't want to be faithful over anywhere. He's like, you're not any more an evangelist than I'm the man on the moon either, right? Uh, and so uh, it, it's, uh, it is good to try, you know, just ask a few questions, right? Uh, uh, number one, you know, number one question to ask people, you know, who, who claim to be apostles, where do you go to church? What's your pastor's name? How long have you been going to that church? Right. Who ordained you? Uh, you know, well, I, I ordered my ordination online. Okay. Yeah, right. Right. You know, I had somebody call me up one time, you know, I, I just got ordained. Well, where'd you get ordained? Uh, I just sent a check to those people online. And so they don't know you from Adam. No. Well, if they knew you, they wouldn't ordain you. Right. And so, uh, you know, I mean, you get a piece of paper, a piece of paper is cheap, right? That's right. So, you know, you got to try people. And it, when I'm, I don't mean put them in sin or, you know, I mean, ask them questions. Ask them what the word says, right? Ask them how they treat their wife. Ask them, you know, are, are you the best employee there ever was? Are you the first one there, last one to leave? Are, you know, are you faithful? Are you, do you always show up for work and you're supposed to? You know, uh, do you show any faithfulness, you know, uh, in, in your life? Amen. Uh, and of course, that starts making people nervous there. But uh, I didn't write this, you know, the Lord said, you got to try them and, and try them, right? Uh, and he said that, that they uh, bore and had patience and persistence. You know, that sounds like what he said there about the apostles, right? That, are, do they have, that they have patience. These are good things that the Lord commended the church at Ephesus for, right? Uh, and so should we have patience uh, and, and uh, bear things up and be persistent in our faith? We should, right? Uh, he said that they labored for the Lord's sake. That was a good thing, right? And are we supposed to labor for the Lord's sake? We are, right? Now, his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light, but there's still work to do. Well, what the, what's the work of the Lord? Well, you know, a lot of times uh, when you go over like Ephesians chapter 4, it says that, you know, that uh, there's the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher uh, that, that's been given to us uh, for the perfection of the saints, for the work of the ministry. And, you know, we got into a kind of a, uh, I believe it was a, a little bit of an error in the church where we said, well, the work of the ministry is painting the walls and sweeping the floors and, you know, uh, cleaning up the garbage outside, and that's the work of the ministry. But has anyone got saved by taking up the garbage outside or painting a wall? I mean, that's not really the work of the ministry. That's work. It's necessary work. It's helpful work. It needs to get done, and servants need to do that, right? We're all servants of the Most High God. That's fine. Uh, we should do that. But the work of the ministry is prayer and studying the Word of God and preaching the gospel. That's the work of the ministry. And, and my job as a ministry gift is one of the... Fivefold ministry gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I, I stand in the office of pastor, teacher. Uh, my job is to perfect you so you have the tools necessary to go and do the work of the ministry and pray for the sick and preach the gospel. Not on a street corner, but just through your lives and you see somebody, hey, you know, God loves you. That's preaching the gospel, right? Uh, that's the work of the ministry. Amen. Now, uh, as servants, we, we, we will do the necessary things of, hey, sometimes we've got to paint a wall. Sometimes we've got to clean the carpet. Sometimes we've got to do things. But, that, but my job is not to teach you how to clean the carpet. I mean, that's, I mean, what in the world, right? Uh, most of you know how to clean the carpet way better than I know anyway. Uh, and so my job is to teach you how to do the work of the ministry so that when you leave this building and you see somebody that's ill, well, I know how to lay hands on them. I know how to pray for them. That's the work of the ministry, right? 
Uh, and that's really where the church will grow the most is, is when all of us leave this building and we all do the work of the ministry. Amen. And then we bring people in and then the ministry gifts, including the pastor, teach and train the, the children of God how to do the work of the ministry. Amen. That's really God's plan. And so, uh, the, but that does take labor to do that, doesn't it? Uh, we, we have to labor in the word of God. In fact, that's what we read in, in Acts chapter 6, right? That they, uh, that they were going to, uh, uh, in verse 2, that the 12 were called multitude disciples, and it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So uh, over, I think it's in First Timothy, that they labor in the word of God. So there is, there is effort that's required to do that, right? Uh, and, uh, and he said that they haven't fainted or become weak. So the Lord's continuing to encourage the church that you haven't fainted and become weak. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, in Galatians, it talks about don't be weary in well-doing. You know, sometimes it's just, it just we get weary in well-doing, right? Uh, well-doing is just whatever you got to do, right? Uh, whatever God's called you to do. Sometimes it gets, uh, we, we get weary in doing that. Sometimes we get weary in reading the word of God or in prayer. Uh, and uh, he encouraged the Ephesians that you haven't done that. You've done a good job in, in, not, in not doing that. Uh, and uh, he had mentioned in, in Hebrews chapter 12, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Uh, and so we always faint first in our minds, right? When we quit something, you know, we may quit a job or quit a marriage or quit a church or quit, you know, whatever God's called us to do. But long before we ever did that physically, we did that mentally, right? I just can't do it anymore. And at some point after you've said that in your mind, then you execute that in the flesh, right? Then you stop doing whatever that thing is. And so it's always good to, to make sure that you keep your mind renewed that if, if God's called you to do that, then you've got the grace to do it. Amen. All the days of your life. And so, and he said, the last thing that he commended the church at Ephesus about was you, you hated the deeds of the, Nic- the Nicolaitans, Notice they hated the deeds of that, of those people, not the people themselves, right? Uh, and, and this is one of the things that the world hates about the church, that we have the capacity to look at somebody and hate everything they do and still care for that person. The, the world has no concept of that because if you do something, they hate you. If you do something wrong, they hate you. And that's a lot of a conflict in our society right now because somebody's done something, they hate that person. And everybody liked that person, uh, whatever that thing is. Well, that we're not supposed to hate that we have the capacity because of the love of god to look at someone and go what what they're doing is wrong and i hate what they're doing but if i can help that person i will the church has the capacity to do that amen and and to forgive somebody if they've done something wrong because the person himself can be a potential child of god and if they are a child of god or they're not a child of god god still loves them right didn't god love the whole world right bible didn't say for god to love the whole good people in the world right he loved the whole world, amen? You know, if it was only the good people, I'm not sure if any of us would have qualified for that. And so, so they hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And the, the Nicolaitans were, were people who had gotten together and they were part of the church. Uh, and and uh, because they wanted to, to live without constraint, they started making up stuff. Well, you know, we like to have, you know, like a, like a wife group. Right. So it's not like my wife and your wife. It's like our wives. Right. So, you know, that way, you know, we can kind of swap wives. And, you know, uh, I mean, if yours is better at cooking and, than cleaning, you know, mine's better at cleaning and cooking. You know, we'll swap every other week and then, then we get everything taken care of that way. And, and I mean, it wasn't just for that. It was really about all the other stuff that goes on in the bedroom with, with the wives. That's really what it was all about. But they, that gotten into the church. Uh, and, and the, you know, there's, there's no such thing. As long as you love each other, you know, it's okay. Just do whatever you want. Just long, as long as you love each other. Yeah, so it's all that matters. You love each other. It's not the Bible, right? Uh, all all uh, physical relations outside of marriage is sin, right? It's called fornication. And, well, it's not really fornication if you love somebody. You know what? It's really fornication. It doesn't matter if you love them or not, right? If, it's, if you don't have a vow of marriage there, then it's just plain old garden variety fornication. But they like to flower it up, make it sound better than it really is. It's just garden variety sin, you know? It's not even all that, all that impressive. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, that's, and that goes back to the church has really suffered a lot in this area because we, we keep pushing the boundaries of grace. Well, in grace, you can just do anything and it's okay. 
you know, grace, grace is not to overlook sin. The purpose of grace is, number one, to get you out of sin, you know, so to get you wherever you're, you're at and get you out of that into where God wants you to be. That's the primary purpose of grace. Uh, and, and, to, and to allow the Lord to do that without causing you your life, amen, without dying. Like the Old Testament, you did something, stone them immediately and bury them in the backyard. In the New Testament, it's, it's, well, let's forgive them and then let's restore them, right? So it's forgiveness and restoration. It's not just forgiveness. It's, re- it's forgiveness and restoration. That's the purpose of grace. Uh, so grace acknowledges sin. Grace acknowledges failure. That's the whole purpose of grace is to be able to see the failure and get you out of that failure. Uh, the, the, the church wants to redefine grace as I don't see any failure and we're all okay. Well, well that's going to cause you problems, right? Because you get in sin, whose territory are you on? You're on the devil's territory, right? So the church at Ephesus, uh, the, the Nicolaitans had gotten into the church and they're like, no, we're not doing that. That's dumb. But for whatever reason, you know, they'd, so they did all these good things. But at the end of the day, they still, because of their growth and, and uh, their increase, they, they got busy uh, and stopped walking in, in the love of God like they should. Maybe they got legalistic, right? Well, we're big, you know, we're, we, we're big, so we must be right. You know, so people believe that. We're big, so we must be right. We're doing everything right. Did the Lord Jesus say they were doing everything right? He said, you've left your first... And this is, to me, that's a pretty tough uh, accusation to, to, be, uh, uh, to be accused of, right? Of leaving your first love. You know, where you were. Uh, and, and, uh, and we're about out of time, but uh, um, we, need, we need to look at uh, the, uh, the, the next couple of verses here. But one of the things about the Lord Jesus that I love is, you know, he will correct you, right? He will tell you that you've left your first love. He will tell you that you're good over here, but over here, you know, you got some, you got some, some, some fixing to do, right? Uh, now, for some reason, a lot of ministers have the hard, have the hard time of, of telling you, hey, you know, thanks for doing that. Hey, you're doing a great job over here. You know, you're doing pretty good, right? For some, they just have a hard time with that. And, and I don't really understand why. Jesus didn't have a hard time with that. He didn't have a time saying, man, you're doing a great job. You know, appreciate that. Uh, didn't he tell that to the, to the church at Ephesus? You do six different things. Hey, you're doing this good, doing this good. Uh, I think he told this more to the Ephesians than anybody else. But he said, but you know, this one thing over here, you got to straighten up. But see, he didn't just leave them at that point. He didn't just say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Uh, he then told them how to get out of that. And, and the Lord will always uh, bring revelation with him when he's correcting you. And people who only rebuke you and, and, are, and don't, uh, uh, don't uh, put out a hand to help you get up, they're not following the plan of Jesus at all. They're just the, accu- the accuser of the brethren. They're really yielding to the devil. Uh, and and uh, yeah, I remember years ago, I just happened to be listening to this one lady. They had gone on some ladies' fellowship trip. And so they were talking to another lady, and, you know, I just happened to be there eavesdropping, you know, because that's, you learn a lot of things just eavesdropping, right? Uh, and so I didn't, like, tap their phone or anything. They were just talking to me. I happened to be there, right? And so um, I said, yeah, we were down there. I just really told this one lady, you know, I, you know I, I really corrected her. I really told her all the things she was doing wrong. Like, you know, it just sounds so much like the devil right there. Because I'm thinking, number one, have you ever looked in the Because I knew who the lady was. I'm thinking... Have you ever looked in the mirror? I mean, I could tell you a whole list of things you've got to straighten up right now. You know, when you're out there pointing your finger at everybody else, if you spend all your time fixing your own problems, you wouldn't have time to find out everybody else's problems, busy body that you are. You know, I mean, doesn't the Bible talk about being busy bodies, right? Always looking at everybody else's problems. Oh, oh, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're, right. you're all wrong. You're like, well, that may be true, but, you know, get a mirror. Uh, and, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, but there was, there was no, see, they, they were saying this and it was all pride. It was so much pride. I showed them all the things they were doing wrong. Well, who made you the sheriff of the body of Christ? I thought that was the job of the Lord Jesus, the head of the church and the spirit of God. Amen. Now, I don't, you know, I don't see anything wrong if it's necessary to rebuke people. But if you don't put a hand out to help them up, then you're just the accuser of the brethren. You're not doing what Galatians 6.1 says, you which is spirit to restore such a one. If, you're not in the, if your goal is not to restore, if your job is only to rebuke, then, then you have taken the position of the accuser of their brethren. 
And that is not a position of the church. That's a position of the enemy of mankind, right? Uh, and so, so Jesus didn't leave him hanging, right? He didn't leave him just, and, and you're terrible, and I'm gone. No, he, he told him how to get out of it, right? And, and uh, we're out of time today, but we'll, we'll come back and we'll, uh, because the, the same things that they've got to get out of, we've got to get out of the same things, right? Anybody ever left their first love in the church? Things, you know, God called you to do this thing, whatever this thing, and, and you look back and, Lord, I haven't done that in years. Well, why not? Because you, you got, you got, maybe you got more information. Maybe you learned a few things, and, and now you're smart. Now you're spiritual. Now you know everything, and, and you're too good to do that thing, whatever that thing is, you know? I mean, uh, what's your first love, right? doesn't mean that you're, you have to do the same thing the rest of your life. You know, there is progression and increase, right? But if you look at Paul's life, I think he's a great example. Uh, he started out preaching as a nobody. He progressed, uh, progressed to being a prophet and teacher, then eventually became the great apostle Paul. But it's the same course all the way through his life. Things changed, but who he was and what God had called him to hadn't changed, right? Uh, and there are people who are called to do spectacular things in the body of Christ. And they start out doing that. And then, then later on, you know, you know, I remember years ago, and we'll go, uh, we had this uh, one fellow, he'd come to the church about once a year or so. He was an evangelist. One of the best evangelists, I mean, he'd get done teaching and you'd want to go preach to a stump. You know, he just, just encouraging. You know, he, he was stood in the office of the evangelist. But, you know, traveling ministry can be tough, right? Because you all the time got to twirl your purse and beg pastors to let you speak at their church, you know. And, uh, and you know, if you're not, if you're not that way or in, and you're not, your name's not really big or whatever, sometimes it can be almost disconcerting to, to do that, right? To, to try to uh, advance the ministry God's called you to. And it takes effort to do that. And, and, um, uh, and so I don't know if he got despondent about that. And, uh, but I remember one day he said, I, I, I just, I want to be a teacher. I, I, I want to be a teacher. And so he started, he kept coming to the church and he started teaching us instead of, instead of encouraging us about evangelism. And like the worst ever, it's like, you know, you just make up stuff. It's like, well, that's not even right. You know, and we were, you know, raising our hands, you know, uh, where'd you get that from, right? Uh, and eventually he quit coming to church because he just, he was a terrible teacher, but, you know, he wanted to be a teacher because, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, you know why, why I want to be a teacher, but for whatever reason, you know, that, uh, you know, he could have been a, the most spectacular evangelist ever, and, and he's still doing that same thing, and every now and then I, you know, well, he's still teaching bad stuff, you know, and, uh, and so, uh, now I know the Lord can progress and do things, but um, uh, if it's just your own desires, then you're leaving your first love, Amen. Uh, and and so what the specifics of that are going to be between you and the Lord. Amen. Doesn't mean you're going to change. I mean, you're, you know, you can do the exact same physical thing all the days of your life. Right. Paul went from here to there. He was all over the world. Right. The Lord didn't call him just to Jerusalem, but he he loved going to Jerusalem. He wanted to go to Jerusalem several times. So uh, so we'll pick up. Uh, we'll finish up the, the church at Ephesus and see what the Lord encouraged them because the things the Lord told them to do about how to get out of this stuff. Same things that you and I have got to do to get out of our stuff. Amen. And so we can learn from that. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the example that you've given to us about uh, you not only corrected folks, Father, but you also uh, put out a hand to lift them up, Father, out of their shortcomings and to help them and to restore them to where they could be, where they should be, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the revelation of your word. We thank you, Father, that you're good to us. And so, Father, we will learn from these examples that you've given to the churches and avoid the same mistakes they made, Father, and stay on the course, stay in the path that you've called us to. And, Father, as we do that, there will be great joy and peace in our lives. We thank you for these things. We give you the praise, the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's not leave our first love. Amen. Whatever God's called you to do, uh, that's pretty much going to be what you're like all the days of your life. You know, the Lord's called me to be a pastor, teacher. Uh, will he ever, ever do, uh, you know, whatever he's called me in the future, there's going to be studying and learning in my life. Amen. I will be instructing people all the days of my life. Whatever that looks like, I don't know, but that's, I'm not going to go out and become, you know, the greatest artist in the world or the greatest singer in the world. That's just, it's, that's not going to happen, right? And I'm okay with that. Uh, and so I don't have to reinvent myself. I'm going to reinvent myself. You know, I don't have to do any of that stuff. I stay the course. Amen. I'm not going to leave my first love. Uh, and so let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And we appreciate y'all's faithfulness. Amen. Uh, and um, the Lord's good to us. Uh, and if he's good to us, then it's easy for us to be good to him. Amen.
Uh, so let's pray and thank the, thank the Lord for the opportunity to give today. So Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give into your kingdom. Father, it's an honor to give as you've blessed us individually in our lives. Father, to increase our, the finances that you've given to us, Father. To show us ways to increase that. To bless us uh, by increasing our income. Uh, we thank you for that, Father. And Lord, as you've blessed us, it's an honor to give a small portion of our lives back to you, Father, in the form of giving uh, of finances into the ministry. And so, Lord, as we give, we ask you to bless the ministry, Father, that all the needs that the ministry has will be accomplished, Father, that we have the financial ability to uh, accomplish the vision that you've given to this ministry. And Father, we thank you for that. And in addition to that, Father, we thank you that you're faithful over your word that you said if we give, that with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into our bosom. And Lord, we thank you that you'll do both of those because we ask you to do them both. We give you the praise and the honor for them in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. And so, praise God. We'll, we'll go through here. And, and um, uh, he spends a little more time in the church at Ephesus than he has uh, in some of the other churches. So, We'll look at that and we'll get that. Uh, we'll figure out uh, what he says to the other churches. But, uh, uh, but I've enjoyed just going through and studying all this out and seeing what he's taught to these churches because uh, it's going to help me out. Amen. Uh, and so, you know, if you don't learn anything, I'll be happy at the end of all this. Right. So <laughs> but I think you'll learn something. Amen. We'll be blessed. Have a wonderful week. Don't forget, we have healing school today at three o'clock and uh, you're dismissed. <laughs>